Jerry, thank you again. Um, good to see you all. I want to introduce you to Jim Harrington. Uh, uh, Jim, as you'll hear in a second, is not from the Northland. <laughs> uh, Jim, why don't you just introduce yourself and so let I'm folks Jim know Harrington who you are. I'm Jim Harrington from Houston, Texas. Uh, have uh, lived there for the last 40 years. Married to Betty for 50 years on January the 7th. Five kids and six grandkids. And I've spent most of my adult life, when I, from the time I was 35, I have served in some kind of role where I served as a pastor to pastors uh, in the city of Houston. Um, and uh, have, uh, out of that work, have um, uh, worked with congregations literally across the country, 250 or 300 congregations, uh, when they find themselves in conflict. It's helpful just to have an outside voice who can help you think and uh, um, uh, exp explore what the options are and that sort of thing, just to have an outside voice. and. Uh, so that's we call our the name of our organization is the Leaders Journey. Uh, if you were, if you're some of you were around this past week, and Tricia Taylor was here. She's my partner, and uh, uh, and so we're we're. I'm sorry to be here, uh, but I'm glad to be able to walk with you as you do this work. Yeah, exactly. And a number of folks would be familiar with uh, things that you guys have led. So yeah. Uh, yeah. So Tricia and I and a guy named Steve Capper are the original founders of the the faith walking work which a, a lot of you have done. How many of you in the room have done either faith walking or emotionally focused? So a lot of you. Uh, we're the, we, we did the first iteration of that, and I guess it was maybe seven or eight, nine years ago that I was actually here leading the very first faith walking retreat um, for the Duluth Vineyard. That's great. And if folks, if you're not familiar with my role on the staff, of course, I'm one of the pastors, uh, oversee our small groups, uh, men's ministry, but I'm also part of our senior leadership team. And so just helping to navigate uh, this time. So here's, here's a bit of our hope for this portion of the service. Um, as Jim and I have a conversation, we hope that uh, the time that we spend together and engaging with you uh, can be a benefit wherever you might be uh, at this morning, um, both in the midst of the specific season and the issues that John and Jerry were uh, just detailing uh, a moment ago, but also more broadly, uh, as we just face any difficulty in life and when we run up against life, it just uh, really being difficult, how do we face that? How do we work um, with that? And so, again, we appreciate you being here with us and walking alongside this with us, Jim. Yeah, I think it's really important to acknowledge um, that uh, this is a very complex and emotionally charged conversation. I so appreciated uh, the authenticity and the transparency that John, uh, John and uh, Jerry brought a few moments ago. And uh, when you get in a complex and emotionally charged situation, I do it like this sometimes. As the, as the intensity of my emotion goes up, my thinking goes down, and over here in my thinking is where my values are, where my beliefs are, and, and, and so uh, it, it can be really, really challenging as it gets intense uh, to do good communication. Uh, it's challenging for us to be clear, uh, and it's, it's challenging for you to listen well. So if something that we say seems confusing, or if it makes you angry, or sad or, or it makes you think like, I just have got to get out of here. I want to step out of this conversation. Um, we want to strongly encourage you not to do that. Come to us. Come to the staff. Come to your small group leader. They're, this is such a great care network here in the life of the church. Come to them. It's essential that we stay in effective communication 
uh, as we as we walk through this journey. Yeah, that's really true. And so along those lines, Jim, one of the things that uh, I think is really good to address is uh, the some of the challenging topics, like John and Jerry were just yep. mentioning about this idea of being um, putting victims first, or uh, some folks maybe have heard the term used victim-centric. Yeah, what does that mean? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, what does so, it mean? you know, maybe I would start, and then maybe you could add to okay. this. Um, you know, how I might define that would be that the priority should be protecting and caring for an alleged victim and their family, and as well as determining if other victims exist. Their well-being, well-being is of utmost importance, and that really does guide the overall approach um, to how we're facing this. Um, in another sense, being victim-centric may by, be best defined by what it's not. And you were talking about this a little bit. Yes, yeah, so, so often uh, in the public arena when Christian organizations find themselves, unfortunately this is not uh, unique to you, and often what'll happen is they'll circle the wagons around the victimizer, around the, the perpetrator, around the most powerful people in the organization and try to protect them. And often what happens is victims then get victimized again. And so from the very beginning, the, the special committee has said, this is a victim-centric approach. Yeah. Um, um, and another, we're intentionally doing that. What's that? And we're yeah, intentionally yeah, doing that. Yeah, even in our time this morning, that is uh, really, really intentional. Um, here's another item that's important to highlight as we begin. Uh, this week's news has um, surfaced previous trauma for a number of people. Um, it's a really direct way to say that. Uh, past experiences, whether it's of abuse, or injustice, or uh, just difficult things in general uh, that they've had to process in a fresh way. And so Jim, I just wonder, yeah. would you just speak to that for a few moments? Yeah, I, and I speak from my own personal experience. I grew up in a home where I was both physically and emotionally abused. And a lot of my journey with the Lord has been a journey of, of healing and a journey of making sense out of all of that, uh, finding God's presence in the midst of that. So often when, um, uh, when someone else's trauma gets talked about, it triggers your trauma, right? Uh, and uh, and uh, this thing happens, and up here what you want to do, like there's several things that I see happen that, that happened to me. One was I would get really angry, and I'd want to act out. Uh, one, one is that I would, uh, I would say, I, just, I can't do this. I'm, I've just got to hide. I'm going to run away. Uh, there are a lot of different ways that we respond if we have trauma in our own lives to hearing the story of trauma in another person's life. And the, the primary thing that I would say is, like, pay attention to that and to the degree that you can. And, and we're all at different places. I, I wouldn't say, you know, if this is a new conversation for you to jump in the deep end of the pool. But take some steps toward being open with someone else. Talk to your small group leader. Talk to one of your pastors. Talk to a therapist. Mm -hmm. Talk to someone where your own uh, trauma begins to come out into the light. My experience is healing only comes, only comes as you're able to bring that into the light, however you do that. And so wherever you are in that journey, um, keep pressing in and trust that the Lord is going to be in those places to meet you. And even if we don't have specific um, traumatic events uh, that we're processing through, uh, I know in the conversations I've been having this week, it's, it's been a ton of work to try and get our hearts and our minds around yeah. like, 
what, what's going on? Right. Like, how, how do I even, you know, just this, this shock level, um, you know, that how do we, we make sense? So how do we get our, our hearts and minds wrapped around the news and developments of this week? Even this morning, you know, it might be things that Jerry and John um, were addressing in their bit of Q&A that you're still trying to kind of get your mind around. And so along with that, um, one of the big things that I've been thinking about over the last few days um, is that that processing, there's a way that that deeply connects uh, often with our experience of grief. Yeah, yeah. Right, there's, there's loss. Yeah. Um, and you know, we, we experience so many different kinds of loss in life. Uh, some of those, uh, you know, we think about a, a loved one passing away. Uh, you know, it's very specific uh, in, in major. Sometimes we think about little losses, like I, I stained my shirt, and like it's my favorite shirt. You <laughs> know, it's like a, it's a small thing, but it's like, oh man, that, that really stinks. I think one of the pieces that I have noticed, even over the last few days, is that there's there's kind of a grief in this time that's hard to like put your finger on, you know, and. And so there's real power in trying to acknowledge and grieve the losses in our, in our lives, but sometimes that can be a process. Yeah. And so, Jim, would you just talk for a minute about what, what does that look like to try and identify, to name those losses yeah. and, and start to work through that? Well, I wish we could park here for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, Jesus says that you're blessed when you grieve or when you mourn. And then here's what happens. When you experience those losses, your, in, your, in your spiritual life, in your inner life, the, the loss takes up space. You're angry, you're sad, you're fearful, you have all these negative emotions, and they're in the space of your inner life. And for all the space that that's taking up, uh, independent, what, in, what ends up happening is it ends up disconnecting you from your relationship to God, or it ends up disconnecting you from your uh, relationship to others, or even to yourself. And so there's something very powerful. Jesus knew exactly what he was saying when he said, you're blessed as you agree. He's not saying that's a fun experience or a good experience. It's a painful experience. And because it's painful, often people won't grieve. Mm -hmm. uh, but there is this thing about when you grieve, then what you're doing is you're opening up more space, more opportunity for the Spirit to do, uh, to, to do the Spirit's work. And so... Um, you know, maybe it's the loss of a relationship. Uh, maybe it's the loss of some kind of like you had this innocent view that the, the Duluth Vineyard was this amazing place that, you know, that, that uh, always did the right things and was always on the right agenda and always, in, in, maybe there's a, a loss of your sense of that. Uh, I, I think it's helpful to name the losses. Maybe it's, it's, it's the, the loss of, uh, of trust. Or maybe it's the loss of, is it safe for me to say what I need to say here? All of those things that could be losses. And in your, in your time with the Lord this week, one of the things that I would really encourage you to do is like, uh, I, when I'm coaching people, I'll say, get you a pen and paper out and actually make a list of what's been lost in this process. And I'll start making the list and some things come to me immediately. And then often what happens is the Spirit says, oh yeah, what about this? Yeah. And what about this? And the more clear you can be about that, then the more, w when you're not clear, it's like it's back here having impact over you, but you, you don't realize it. When you can get it around here, both you and the Spirit have access to doing some work that as long as it stays back here, becomes really difficult to do. Yeah, so those are, those are yeah. some of the things Anything that else I, you want to share about 
marking losses? Or is that basically Say it? it again. Is there anything else you wanted to share about that? Or? Um, is there something you thought? No, I, I, think, I think that's great. <laughs> well, I, so, yeah, no, that's all. Okay, that's, all. that's good. I, 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 I have to be really careful because there's a sermon there. Oh, there we go. <laughs> you were saying earlier that your, your, your wife said that sometimes uh, people could ask you what time is it, and then you would tell them, here's how you build a clock. Exactly. Okay. exactly. So, so you're doing great. So I have to be real careful. <laughs> okay. Those are, those are a few important items uh, to touch on um, here towards the beginning. Um, Jim, I want, for this next part, I want to just expand out a bit. Um, again, as we, we try and just get our minds, our hearts around the news of this week, uh, it's almost like you were talking about, like, there's all this stuff in the background that's impacting us, but we're maybe not always aware of it. And I think particularly some questions um, that can run in the background. Um, questions like, why do bad things happen? Like, why yeah. is this world so stinking broken? You know, why? And, and maybe even, like, in the Christian thing, like, how could God let something like this happen, right? Oh, even yeah. just a few minutes ago, you yeah. read a scripture where, uh, where the, the, the pastor said, you know, I love this passage of scripture because of the sovereignty of God. Yeah. And the thing that went through my mind, and I believe in the sovereignty of God, and I appreciated what she had to say. And I imagined that there were some people in the room who were saying, if God is sovereign, how did God allow this to happen? And, the, you know, the first thing I want to say about that is God is not afraid of those questions, mm -hmm. right? God is big enough for your doubts. God is big enough for your frustration and your confusion. Uh, God can handle all that. And there's actually something about the human experience. You, you go back to, to the Psalms, and, you know, like David prayed that God would kill his enemies. Mm -hmm. And, and, he, and it says that when he grieved that he wept bitterly. And it says that then when he was happy, he danced naked in the temple. Now, I'm not encouraging that. Okay, yes. But I am encouraging that you actually, like, you know, that you give expression to all of that. God, uh, God, um, God can handle your anger. I, my partner, Tricia, said to me once, Trisha has been a therapist for 30 years, and she said to me once, until a Christian, a Christian can't come to a full place of maturity until they work out for themselves how a sovereign God allows suffering. Yeah, they like call that the theology, theology of suffering, right? right? Yeah. Theology of suffering. And, and so often, uh, I, I grew up in a tradition where, like, it wasn't okay to ask those questions. It wasn't okay to ask, how could a sovereign God let this happen? And to ask that with some anger or some frustration, like I would have been told I didn't have faith or I needed to pray more, I needed to read my Bible more. Um, and I want to say that uh, I think that those are really important questions for you to ask and to answer. And um, I, I was telling uh, Brian a sto mm -hmm. story when we were together this morning. For 17 years, I was pastor of a network of house churches where we lived in community with people who in recovery from drug and alcohol addiction. And, and I was also the executive director of Union Baptist Association, so I had 500 congregations in the city of Houston that I was responsible to, for, to, for pastoring their pastors. Uh, and so I, because of that, I had some uh, pu public persona in Houston. The Christians knew who I, who I was because of the chair that I sat in. So I got a call from, um, uh, from this guy who was the chairman of a large corporation there in the city who wanted to have breakfast. And actually, I thought he was calling because he knew about our ministry and wanted to give us some money. <laughs> that, that happened to me sometimes, and I was always grateful for that. Yeah. And so I said, sure. And uh, we got to breakfast, and he said, so you may wonder why I wanted to see you. He said, uh, I, I love the work that you do at Harbor Church. 
And he said, we've discovered in the last uh, several months that our 25-year-old son is an, is an addict, that he's been addicted for a, a while, has been hiding from us. And he said, and I've discovered something about myself. And I said, what's that? And he said, I've discovered that I've got a quid pro quo relationship with God. Mm. And I said, ah, oh, tell, tell me some more about that. And he said, I, like the way that I think about my relationship to God is, God, I love you, and I'm going to serve you, and I'm going to give you my money, and I'm going to bring my kids to you, and I'm going to do my part, and your part is to protect my kids. Hmm. And then he looked down at the floor, and we looked back up, there were tears in his eyes. Yeah. And he said, God's not doing God's part. Now, to his credit, mm -hmm. he had the courage to say that. And that led to a really fruitful conversation about the, 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 where that quid pro quo relationship came from and what it was going to look like for him to give that up for a more complete, accurate, comprehensive view of what the Bible has to tell us about that. Um, and so... Um, um, yeah, as you struggle with the biblical, what else would you say yeah, about exactly. that? Well, maybe I'll just insert this. Like, even just as you're sharing that story, like, like personally, I'm, this impacting me on an emotional level. As, as many of you know, just part of my own story is that my wife and I, our first daughter, um, died suddenly when she was two and a half. So it was 23 years ago. And what you just described with your friend, like, just in this moment, I was remembering my own processing of yeah. just saying, God, like, I thought if I did A and then added B that I'd get C. <laughs> and the, the current circumstances that I'm facing don't add up. Yep. And I'm, guys, I'm really pissed at that. <laughs> you know? Can, say that? Can you say but that? I, I think I just did. Uh, um, and that was a really important piece of like, my own journey of getting honest with God. That was for me as a 25-year-old. You know, and having to wrestle with a, a theology of suffering uh -huh. at that young age. And, yeah. and what you have to do in that is you have to hold some things uh, in tension, yeah. right? Like there's a ditch on both sides of the road. On this side of the road, God, like God, God can't be trusted. And maybe the ditch on the other side of the road is it all depends on me. <laughs> and and w what if there is some work that I have to do and God can be trusted? What if holding those things in tension is a more fruitful response than, than, than finding yourself in, in a ditch on either side of the road. I think it's super hard to hold tension, uh, and, and particularly it's going to be super hard in this current situation. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, um, uh, I, you know, there are two or three things I would say to you, or I think we would say to you. Mm -hmm. One of them is let the fact-finding do its work. Like just be patient with that. And I know there are going to be moments you're going to hear somebody say something, you're going to hear, you're going to hear some gossip, or you're going to hear some speculation, or, or you're just going to hear somebody tell the truth, and it's just going to stir you up like, like that does. And, and the tendency is going to be to rush toward uh, short-circuiting the fact-finding process uh, just to relieve your own pain. Hold those things in tension. Let that work. Let the fact-finding do its work without pretending that you're not stirred up and finding healthy, appropriate ways to do that. You can love your church and at the same time be really sad about what's happening. And again, you get in a ditch on either side of the road. If, you if all you do is love your church, then you're not telling the truth about how, what a huge uh, crisis and struggle that you're in. If, you, if all you do is get over here, then you, you lose the, the, the sight of, the, of all of the good that the Duluth Vineyard has done and will do 
uh, in the city of Duluth and around the world. Um, I think the hardest thing is there's just so much uncertainty in this. Mm -hmm. And I'll say this again in a little bit, but, but like when there's uncertainty, my temptation is to say, we gotta, we gotta do whatever we gotta do to make it certain. <laughs> Even if that yeah. means making up facts or speculating or doing whatever you gotta do, yeah, so we, can go we just gotta right? make this certain. Yeah. And so one of the things you might do is ask yourself the question, what's my temptation? Like what's my pattern when things get painfully uncertain in my life? What's my automatic response? And how can I hold that up against what God might call me to and how do I live into that? Yeah, would you just speak to that a little bit? Like you think about running up against these tensions, um, that we, we have a choice of how we're gonna respond. And right. we've got some of, like in faith walking or emotionally folks who use the language of like your, your autopilots, right? right? Like right. the ways that you default to show I love it when you use that language. <laughs> yeah, uh, the ways that unless we're, we're really intentional, that we're gonna show up and it's gonna kinda come out sideways. And yeah. so um, talk to that for a minute. Yeah, so in the faith walking work, we talk about everybody has an autopilot. You learned it in your first formation, in your family of origin, when relationships got unsafe, when things happened that you didn't understand, you, didn't, you, you, you learned how to do that. So my, my dad could be violent, and so I learned pretty early on when I woke up in the, in the morning, uh, anytime I walked into the room, read the temperature of the room, don't say anything, don't draw attention to yourself, don't ask anybody for, to meet your needs, just be as invisible as you can be. Fast forward, uh, and I learned to do that. Fast forward, I'm an adult on the staff of the church while I'm in seminary, and I've been there about three weeks, and the senior pastor says, what's going on between you and Bob? Mm. And I said, I don't know what. And he said, well, I've just noticed that you're a real gregarious guy who moves toward people. You remember the things they've said. You ask about their family or their work. When Bob walks in the room, you stand still. Really? Mm. Oblivious. And he said, yeah, and if he moves toward you very quickly, you back up. Uh, clearly uh, uh, out of my awareness. But what happened was, over time, I began to recognize, with the help of my senior pastor, that Bob looked like my dad. He was 6'2", bald in the center of his head, <laughs> introvert. I'd been around him with his kids. He was a pretty strict disciplinarian like my dad. My brain was going, alert, alert, alert. <laughs> and my brain wasn't doing that because I'm a bad person. Mm. My brain was doing that because that's what you, God created your brain to do, was to protect you from threats. And so when you're a child, like I'm here, so my, those, those strategies work, right? But when I do that as an adult, I've got an eight-year-old boy or a six-year-old boy running my adult's life. And so, so the work is to learn to see that first formation and to see when you get re really begin to feel unsafe, what your autopilot is. What you, I, I, don't, I don't wake up in the morning and say, if Bob moves toward me, I'm gonna back up. Yeah, yeah, it just happens like blinking yeah. or breathing. But once I can get it around here, then I can begin to say, oh, Bob is not my dad. And even now, my dad is safe, and I've, I've moved to a very different kind of relationship with him. And then I can begin to make choices about how, how if I'm going to live into love God, love your neighbor as you love yourself, I can begin to ask the Spirit to give me vision for that. Mm -hmm. And so for me, mm -hmm. I've said this a minute ago, when this happens, my autopilot kicks in and I start being invisible as a child, I became an adult and I thought, okay, now I'm an adult, I can control things. And so then the autopilot moved from being silent to being in charge right? And so I start trying to calm people down and telling them what to do and giving directions and orders. Uh, and, and that's my autopilot that I, when this happens, 
And I have to learn to turn the volume down on that by getting really clear about what it is that the Lord would call me to in those moments, what it would look like for me to love God, to love my neighbor as I love myself. What is it for you? Yeah, yeah, I think a couple different things. Uh, For me, uh, I think my most common reaction is uh, some form of withdrawal, like of distancing. And uh, (laughs) I've had people in my life that actually have helped me to see that even sometimes that happens physically, and I didn't even know it. Like that something's coming at me and I like almost shrink. <laughs> and so I've been trying over the last number of years to become more aware of that and bring that more to the forefront. Um, I think also for me, uh, there's sometimes we're all, um, I can attach on to resentment, you know, uh-huh. of, and, and uh, kind of a, a place of like, oh, like if, if you only knew, like, you know, and, and just kind of a self-justification kind right. of a thing, you know? And so, again, that's a, another thing that we've just been trying to become more aware of. I wonder if we have time to just be still for about 30 seconds yeah. and give yeah. everybody, like, like, what's your autopilot? Mm. When this happens, when your relationships begin to feel like they're not safe, where anxiety sets in, like the categories are you, you tend to fight, to flee, to caretake, the fight, flee, caretake, those are some of the kinds of things. Let's be quiet and just let you see what your autopilot might be. So here's a real practical thing that you can do. Like, if you can't see it, it's hard for you to work on it. But if you can get it around here, and then you begin to say, Lord, what would it look like for me to show up as a beloved daughter or son of God? And a a good set of questions to ask is, if I were showing up as a beloved daughter or son of God, what would I be doing or not doing? What would I be saying or not saying? Or how would I say what it is that I need to say. And the Spirit will, will help you to see the distinction between this and this. And those simple do, don't do, say, don't say, how you do them can, can give you some access to uh, showing up differently than your autopilot would have you show up. Yeah, that's really good, Jim. So I think we're kind of already going in this direction, yeah. just on the bottom there. Like, you know, given that the specific situation is before us, given whatever um, other experiences of our life are. We, we can't change that, right? It, it is there. Given that that's the reality, what is in our control? How do we move forward? How, like, what, what do we do, I don't remember use that word, but how do we face this? How do we navigate this? Probably yeah. maybe a better way to put this. Particularly, how do we navigate this uniquely as followers of Jesus? Yeah, so I think the first thing I'd say about that is there's not a right answer. Mm. Uh, we're all wired differently. We all are at, like, if you think about your own journey with your own suffering, we're all in the room at different places on that journey. And where you are on the journey sometimes has something to do with what the right thing to do in that moment is. Uh, I, I don't, you know, this might sound like the Sunday school answer, but I think the first thing to do is pray. Like, uh, and, and I, I used that in a little pejorative way earlier when I, you know, when I was in my early childhood, I, if, I, if things didn't go well, I was told, well, just pray more. <laughs> uh, what I would say is pray more authentically. Mm. 
Remember David was earlier, what I said, he wept bitterly. He, you know, he prayed for, like, if you're angry at God, don't do a Sunday school, God, I'm really angry with you. But, you know, shake your fist at the heavens and, and, and say what there is to say. And, and the more you can say it, like, if it's a little intense, say it a little intense. And if it's a lot intense, uh, sometimes uh, I, I, I go to a hot yoga uh, thing a couple of time, times a week where we practice yoga and the temperature is 95 degrees. And <laughs> wow. at, some point, at some point along the way, after they feel like you've gotten to the end of your deal, they'll have the whole group, there'll be a hundred of us in the room, and they'll say, all right, take a deep breath and sigh it out. And what sigh it out is like... <laughs> and a room of a hundred people are doing that. And it's amazing how just doing that makes me feel like, okay, I can go a little farther. Maybe you need to be riding down the road where nobody but you is in the car. And what you need to do is just shake your fist at God and say, I don't understand how this happened and I'm, I'm really angry with you. Or you could even say, I'm really pissed off with you, sure. you know, at this happening. So it really authentic prayer, I think, is a, is a beginning place. I would say... Um, Name and vent your feelings. Now, I want to be really careful here, so listen, to, don't, don't mm -hmm. hear what I'm not saying. Yep. The, 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 the scientific research actually says that venting your feelings once actually helps. It has the effect of doing this. The second and a third and a fourth time doesn't make a lot of difference. And so in the venting of your feelings, do that with someone who's safe. And by that, what you don't want, I don't want to go to Brian and vent my feelings, and now he's all upset because I'm upset. And what he does is he goes to John and vents his feelings, and it ripples through the... Mm. What you want, to, you, you want to do that with somebody that you think can, that's trustworthy, that can manage, can hold on to your, uh, your venting without feeling like they've got to fix you or fix God or fix the situation. They can just be with you. They can kind of be the presence of God the, uh, in, in those moments for you. Um, I, I would say be intentional about deep listening. Like the more stirred up we get, the more we we jump, we make we we jump to conclusions. We we take a half truth and make it the whole truth. Uh, and so so slow the conversations down. And when somebody says something gets you stirred up, I mean, if you don't do anything but just ask a couple of questions to make sure that you've understood what they've been, um, what they're what they're trying to con convey to you. And then the final thing that I would say, you, you probably have some things to add to this, but the final thing that I would say is the human tendency is the more uh, anxiety and stress we get under, the less we take care of ourselves. Mm. And actually, it's the opposite that we need. Mm. Like all of this is going to wear you out. It's going to make you emotionally tired. It's going it's, it's to work on your inner life in some really hard ways. Uh, and so what are the things you do to care for yourself? I, for me, I listen to worship music. I, I go for long walks. I get out in nature. Uh, I, I have a favorite place to eat in Houston that I you know, like to go to with some good friends. All of those are self-care kind of things. And I would say uh, intensify those rather than go in the opposite direction as you're walking through those. Yeah. Anything else you'd say about all yeah, that? Yeah, I, I think a couple things. Um, one of the images that I have felt personally that God's uh, drawn me towards, um, I used to be an athlete when I was in high school, uh, and uh, sometimes when I watch uh, like pro football, you uh -huh. know, it's like you got somebody that experiences something on the field and then they have to come off to the side and then what do they do? They got like those blue tents, right, you know, on the side. <laughs> And so they have the folks that are trained to be able to, to look at, okay, what's going on? And one of the things that I've felt an invitation from God is just this little phrase, why don't you come into the tent? Ah. You know, and that God's presence is there. That. And there's an intentionality 
to be able to say, God, um, and this is particularly true for me as a pastor, and you know, even just my own wiring, like, I want all you to be okay. <laughs> and so <laughs> one of my tendencies is that I can sacrifice my own well-being to try and make sure everybody else is okay. And so one of my disciplines is that I need to take responsibility of my own well-being with God. And so that image of regularly going into the tent, and I've got like an appointment on my calendar tomorrow. This has been an intense week, you know? Yeah. Tomorrow, for me, this is what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna go in the tent. <laughs> I've got a chair in my living room, and I'm just gonna sit before God. Uh, just say, great. Lord, would you just minister to me? Because I need it. <laughs> so that, that's a little bit of what that looks like for me. Um, you know, again, this is so personal, it's so specific. Whatever that might be for you, um, we really encourage you to, to take those places and take that intentionality to do what you need to do to authentically get before God and know that He wants to meet you uh, right where you're at. I think the final thing that I would add is um, we really do hope our conversation this morning, maybe other conversations that you've been having with uh, friends, maybe some leaders, maybe staff, or whatever, can help in facing all that we're facing. I think it's just worth acknowledging that this is a long road. We're not gonna, we're not gonna tackle all of this today. And, and, I, and I wanna say that um, uh, Trisha was here last week and, and last, for like three or four days, and she came back and said, you know, we've worked with 250, 300 congregations across North America over the last 20 years. She said, it's been a long time since I've run into a congregation that seems as healthy as the Duluth Vineyard is. In spite of the hard thing that you're facing, you've got a lot of good leadership here. They've, they've taken a hard situation and have faced it with courage and with wisdom. Uh, and, and though it's really painful, on one side, on the other side, you've got good leadership that I, that's acting in a trustworthy way. And as Jerry said, even they're anticipating they'll mess up somewhere along the way, they're gonna go back and clean that up. Uh, and so I, I just wanna, I wanna say that about, what you're, uh, about, about the leadership that you have as you, as you face this work. That's great. Um, Jim, I wanna transition to ministry time. Anything else you wanna add? I don't I think, think so. I think no. we, uh, we covered the things yep. that we wanted Thanks. to. So thank you so much. Uh, as we do um, every weekend here at the Vineyard, we're going to finish <laughs> our uh, time. Sorry. There you go. Uh, we're going to finish our corporate time together um, by going back into worship and um, presenting ourselves before God and um, to pray for one another. And so, if you would, would you go ahead and stand up? And um, I want to read a scripture as we uh, prepare for that time. Thank you again for just holding this space uh, and certainly can uh, appreciate that our time this morning uh, you know, maybe has brought a number of things. Uh, if there's any ways from our staff, from our leaders that we can walk alongside you, further conversations that we can have, uh, we really, really want to be able uh, to do that. Um, I wanna share a scripture with you uh, as we head into ministry time. Um, uh, when I was first informed of the allegations uh, about Jackson misconduct previously, um, uh, it hit me like a ton of bricks. And uh, the next morning, as I was having my uh, time with Jesus, I felt like he led me to uh, Matthew 11. And in Matthew 11, verse 28, there's this invitation. Jesus says, come to me, 
all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And over these last number of weeks, I've been sitting with this a lot. <laughs> uh, so I don't know how what you feel, but like there's been numerous times where I said, God, I am just, I'm so weary. <laughs> it's a big burden, and I desperately need your rest. That's just specific to this situation. Our lives are not just what we're facing. There's so many things that are going on in life that, that you might be carrying, where you might need that, that amazing, peaceful presence of Jesus to come and meet you in the midst of really, really difficult things. And so as we prepare to go back into worship, as we look to pray for one another, I just want to invite you to just hear the voice of Jesus saying that to you. Whatever your circumstances are, no matter how, you know, everything, what's going on for you this morning, could you hear his words to you? Come to me. Come to me. If you're weary, if you're heavy burdened, whatever those might be, come to me. And to hear his promise that uh, we may not experience it right in the, the immediacy, but over the long haul that we could experience his peace and his rest, his presence. That's enough to meet whatever challenges in front of us. So God, I just ask for that even right now. God, would you just meet us? Meet every single individual right in their own heart and mind. Everything that is before them. Come, Lord. God, and we just express our desire to come to you as authentically, as honestly as we can. And trust that you can meet us in those spaces. Yeah, just bless you more. Thank you, God. Uh, if you're on our prayer ministry team, if you want to start making your way up, I would love to do that. Um, uh, as we go to pray, I think our invitation this morning is really simple. Um, what are you carrying today? <laughs> is there weariness? Is there a heavy burden? Whatever that might be for you. You know, it doesn't have to be specific to even what we're talking about this morning. Can you, can you bring that to Jesus? And would it be helpful to have some folks come alongside you to help bring that to Jesus? And then secondly, you know, where is the spot that you're just longing for that rest of Jesus? Just asking him for that. Thank you again for being here this morning. Um, thanks for looking to God, coming together in community. Worship team's gonna lead us in some worship for a while. Hang out, soak in God's presence. If you'd like some prayer as we close, we invite you to come up. Thanks for being here this morning.